Good morning, church. Our <laughs> morning. Our verse today comes from James, chapters three, one through two, and chapter four, one through ten. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace, therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So in this series, we're, we're going through James, and we're, the title is Looking Into the Mirror. And James is challenging us to take an honest look at our lives and how they compare with what we say we believe and do. Can you finish this phrase? Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? If you grew up watching like Snow White and the, the evil queen uh, who looked into the mirror and wanted to be told she was still the most beautiful, still the most fair of all the land, and then, of course, Snow White showed up and it, it wasn't true. Do we, when we look at her, we need to be able to see the imperfections, the flaws, the flawed image. It, it seems there's a new... AI filter at TikTok called Bold Glamour. So they've introduced this new thing, and it is it basically takes away all your flaws. So that if you are projecting yourself onto TikTok, um, and whether that's a good idea or not is a separate thing, uh, but if you uh, are on TikTok and you do this, it makes it appear like it takes away all your blemishes, it takes away all any faults and, and wrinkles and things like that. It makes you, you know, appear perfect in every way. And there's, there's concern that if especially young girls are on this and every, every image they see is like this, it says, what if everybody you saw, go ahead and switch 
slide if we have, have that. What if everyone you saw on YouTube or social media um, had perfect skin, perfect bone structure, immaculate makeup, and beautiful, thick, well-groomed eyebrows? You'd probably start to wonder why the person you see in the mirror is such a blemished, asymmetrical mess. That's the promise and the threat of the incredibly realistic AI filters like Bold Glamour. So, so anyways, we have these filters that, that take away any flaws. And I realized I may not have uploaded my, uh, my PowerPoint, so you just got me today. And you could focus purely on me and not have to worry about the screen at all, and that's okay. James 3 and 4 is taking us through a hard look in the mirror. Oh, never mind. We do have slides. All right. Um, it's taking a hard look into the mirror. And it's, it's, if you go back to last week in James 2, James says, what good is it if you say you have faith, if you say you believe in Jesus and you trusted in him and you're following him, what good is it if the works in your life don't match up? to what you say you believe. So, so note, James is aiming his challenge to those who are already followers of Christ, people in the church. And he's saying, are you living your life up to what you say you believe? Now, he didn't spell out what works, so what works he means. What, what does James mean when he says you need to do these deeds? So let me give you just three categories. What do we owe to God when we say we want to follow Jesus Christ? and have him be our Lord and Savior. We owe, first of all, our obedience. If we say we want to follow, we need to live like Jesus lived, to do what he says to do. Secondly, we owe our worship, because this world wants us to worship other things. This world will give us other things to worship, to give our heart to. We need to first and foremost give our heart unto the Lord. And so it's vital we come to worship and gather that we might redirect our heart's energies to him each week. And thirdly, we owe our service, not just obeying, you know, the commands, but giving our time, our energy to helping people, to doing good, to making a difference, to helping the, those in need, to, to, to serving in the church or in other ways so that God's kingdom is built up. So if we say we follow Jesus, we're saying we're on board with obey, obedience, worship, and our service to God. We sang that classic song, God is holy, holy, holy. He is righteous and good in all his ways. He is light, and in him is no darkness at all. In the Old Testament, God said to his people, I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt, and I will be your God. And you are to be holy just as I am holy says the same thing to his people who follow Jesus. He makes us holy in his sight through the work of Christ. And we are called to now put that holiness into our life to live out. If we've declared that Jesus is our Lord, um, then we, we're swearing allegiance to him. We're saying, I want to live, Jesus, a holy life like you've lived. And in this passage that we're looking at in James 3 and 4, it says clearly this, we have fallen short. God's people, followers of Christ, have fallen short of what we owe to God, and we need to humble ourselves and come before him.
starts off in James 3, verse 2. It says it. It says, we all stumble in many ways. It goes on to say, if anyone is perfect, and you know what they say, um, then they're a perfect man, you know, able to do whatever they want. But it, that's a hypothetical. Such a pers- perfect person who who's never stumbles does not exist other than Jesus. This is equivalent, I think, James always says the same thing as Paul, but says it differently. Paul the Apostle in Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no difference. Whether Jew or Gentile, we have all blown it. Even after we've come to forgiveness in Christ and live for Him, we continue to stumble in over things. We continue to get drawn back into unrighteousness. Matthew 15, Jesus, is, he quotes Isaiah, and he says, again, something very along the same lines. He says, you hypocrites. You know, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He was talking about those who have these outward religious practices, right? But who even, even in doing those practices, they do it for selfish motives, right? So that they'll look good. Do we practice our religion so that people notice us? Are we just trying to gain status? So, so we start with, we all stumble in many ways, and then throughout the, these, these, the connecting idea in chapters 3 and 4, all the way to 4.10 that we're going to stop with, is this. Here are the ways in which we fall short, in which we stumble as Christian believers. And the, first of all, it's by our speech. We all stumble, it talks about our tongue. And our tongue is, we didn't read this part this time, but if you go through three, it talks about how a tongue, our tongue, our words, our speech is like this, this forested evil and a, a little spark sets off a fire. I, I gave a sermon back in August when all of you were up at the lake, whichever lake that is. So maybe you missed it. I would urge you on what? Lake. Yeah, we all have our lakes. I got that now. Um, I've learned about New York and lakes. Uh, but I gave a sermon specifically on James 3 and on our speech. And I would actually encourage you to, to seek that out. If you go to our YouTube page or Spotify, you can go back and, and hear that. But let me break down what it says about how we stumble in our speech. First of all, in our boasting. Our tongue boasts of great things. We magnify ourselves and what we've done and we minimize others. We want to be the center of attention. And we have all these tactics that we use, you know, even pretending to be humble, you know, so that other people will praise us, right? Our, our tongue boasts of great things. We speak confidently about things over which we cannot control. We also misuse our tongue in lying. We're false to the truth. We exaggerate in our favor. We, we slant the truth so that we look good and the other person is not so much. Sometimes we, we wrong others. Or we, we pass along things, false things that others have said and present them as true. We are false to the truth. We also misuse our tongue and our cursing. It talks about how we bless God and then we curse our brother or sister in the faith. It says, how can that make sense? How can you, in one minute, bless God and then tear down your brother or sister for something. We deflect blame from ourselves 
and we aim it towards others. Their fault, not me. We demand or manipulate to get our own way. James concludes, Our tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And the truth is we may not even see it because that's just the way our culture is. Everyone talks that way. Right? What, what, what did Isaiah, Isaiah say when he was confronted with the holiness of God? He says, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Our God is holy, 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 but so often our words are not. Do your words reflect the goodness and holiness of God, or do they reflect the corruption of our culture? The other way we stumble is by relying on the wisdom of this world instead of our God. James highlights how the wisdom that's from above, in other words, the wisdom from God, is nothing like the wisdom of this world, this earth. He says the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. But we are not living by this wisdom. Instead, we are earthly, unspiritual, demonic, full of bitter envy and selfish ambition. We live by the wisdom of this world, where we get ahead by putting others down, where we do what it takes to win and make the sale. We want to fight fire with fire. We want to follow the leading of our heart. That's what the world says to do. What we need to do is tap into God's wisdom to build our lives around it instead of building our lives around what we learn from this world. And friends, I have to apologize. I screwed up. <laughs> I had asked someone to share their story to start off my sermon and uh, to, to talk about this. And so I'm going to interrupt myself, and we're going to pause. And uh, my brain is muddled this week. I had a cold all week, and uh, I don't think my brain is still operating on fullness. So can we pause? And let, let Andre share his story about how God's been at work in his life. And then we'll come back. <laughs> Nothing like being put on the spot, thanks. <laughs> um, so I'm just shooting from the hip. Um, so I came to know Christ when I was a youth and youth group here um, at East Glenville about, I don't know, 20-something years ago. Um, <clears throat> uh, youth group played a significant role in my life. Um, and I've had many powerful experiences coming to know who Christ was during that time. Um, later on in my life, my sister had passed away. My parents wound up getting divorced. And my relationship with Christ started to drift away. And, um, slowly like a, a frog in water that's slowly boiling. I started to get further and further from, from him. And closer and closer to the lust of the flesh. And 
that lifestyle I was leading led me to a lot of worldly fun at first, but then I wound up, you know, getting more, more and more trouble and wound up getting arrested a couple of times here and there. Um, and one of the first times I wound up having to do community service, which led me back to here. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't enough for me. You know, I did my community service, built some relationships with some people here that really loved me. But I still went out and uh, continued to do what I was doing. Until about 13 years ago, I um, wound up getting arrested after I almost killed a guy. Um, just in a, it was in a bar fight. Um, and that, that opened my eyes up to where I was headed, and I quit drinking that night. Um, thank God I didn't kill that guy, and I was able to quit drinking at that point in my life. And part of my um, restitution, or my sentence, I guess, was I had to do more community service, which led me back here again, and this time I was scared. I was scared, I almost killed a guy. And, you know, Pastor Ron was here at the time and he led me to Steve Levy. And Steve Levy just opened up his arms to me, gave me some work around here to do to fulfill my community service and built a relationship with me that we had a long time ago, back from when I was a youth. And um, sorry, I'm getting over my time. Um, but so long story short is I wound up taking in Emma, Emma and I and the girls wound up starting to come here um, after that point. And um, Emma had given her life to Christ. I hadn't quite yet reestablished that relationship with him. Um, I remember sitting in this pew right here and just feeling, we were singing, this whole congregation, we were singing, praising God. I couldn't bring myself to praise God. I just felt this chain wrapped around my arms and I couldn't raise them, no matter how much I wanted to. And I think we were singing one of the versions of Amazing Grace. And I don't know if it was quite Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, but it was one of those. And I remember one of the lines was something about breaking these chains free. And I prayed right there and then, God, I want to worship you. I want to be true to you. I want this to be real. I don't want this to be a fake relationship that I have with you. And um, right there at that moment, I felt those chains, those imaginary chains that were wrapping me up just break free and I was able to lay, raise my hands and worship God and praise him in a way I haven't felt in, since I was a youth here and um, and that led me to my process of sanctification which is still going on today and thank you guys for letting me share
Thank you, Andre, for sharing, and that was, that was excellent. And God is good. I think he uses even our blunders. Because I, I have a feeling that even where this falls, what Andre is sharing is exactly what James is talking about. Not that I'm saying, like, how bad you are, or anything, you know. But, um, but that, this idea of, right, we, we get drawn in like a frog in water, into the things where we start to forget what we've said we want to do for God. And we need to take that clear look into the mirror. And so we talked about how um, our, our words, do our words reflect the holiness of God in our life, our conversations? And then this is talking about the wisdom. Do we, instead of relying on the wisdom of God, do we follow the wisdom of this world that is earthly, unspiritual, demonic? Are you making decisions based on God's wisdom or by just following everyone else? And then a third way in which we, we stumble is by letting the desires and passions within us lead us to anger and conflict. Talks about the passions and desires that are at war within us. We want things Things that we know we, we have no business wanting or things maybe that are we should want, but we want them so much that we, we, we fight, we kill, we get into conflicts over. It says you desire and you don't have, so you murder. You know, you covet. You, you want this thing and you can't get it, so you end up in fights and quarrels. How much of the conflict that we have um, within the church and just within this world comes from, from these passions their desires. And it says when you pray, you don't get what you want because you're not, you're not seeking what God wants for you. You're seeking what you want. You, you just want God to, to give you your desires. Of course God's going to say no. What I see James saying in this section, I think is very comparable to, again, what Paul says it a little differently in Romans 7. I'm going to read you this. I think this passage in Romans 7 is... is talks about this inner war within us where he says, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do what I want. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that, that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but that is sin dwelling in me. Right? Do you, do you resonate with that? Like, there's part of me, I want to do what's right, but there's this thing in me that, that battles with me. It says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies right there beside me. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. For Paul, he describes that as the sinful nature, the desires within us that will run counter to obedience, worship, and service to God that leads us to, to live for ourself, to live for our flesh, rather than live in the holiness that he calls us to. And so we ask, are you ruled by your inner passions? Or is your desire to live a life holy before God? And are you living out that holiness? The fourth way, we stumble. 
seeking friendship with the world over faithfulness to our God. And James hits him hard here, hits us hard. He says, you adulterous people. What does that mean? Well, if we are in a covenant relationship with our God, if we, the people of God, the church, we are called to be the bride of Christ. Right? And that means we live out that, that faithfulness and relationship. But if we start to get lured away by the things that this world offers instead, if the, the love of our heart goes not to our, our, our God and Savior, but instead we love the things that we find in this world more, that they, they gain more and more of our attention, more and more of our allegiance, and God gets put in a drawer. That's spiritual adultery. How can we say we love him when we really just love everything else and we, we come to God to get what we need from him? By faith in Christ, he gave us the Holy Spirit. Talks about that. And God is jealous for that spirit, the spirit that lives within us. It, mean, it means God wants us to be in that kind of relationship. That's what he's looking for. Um, but instead, we turn to so many other things to find life, to find happiness, to find peace when he's there offering it to us if we but stay faithful and stay with him. Have you given your heart to the things of this world and compromised your commitment to the Savior? And then lastly, the way we stumble is by our arrogance and pride we give an opening for the devil to manipulate us. goes on to say he gives more grace, but therefore it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The key problem is pride and arrogance. Arrogance, it says, I have all I need. I don't need God. Arrogance that says, I know what is best for my life. I will choose for myself what I do. See, pride is what the, the devil tapped into in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. He told them, you know, God says this. Yeah, I got that. God says this. But if you, if you eat of the fruit, right, you, you'll know things. You'll be like God in your wisdom. You'll you'll." you'll you're, it's, it's pleasing to the eye. You, you don't have to follow what God says. You can do this instead. And it's arrogance and pride that we can be self-reliant and, and refuse to be subject to God's word. We think we're ruling over our life when we do that. But in truth, we have fallen under the power of God's enemy. We find that those things that we thought would give us life now rule over us instead. If you are operating in pride and arrogance rather than humility, you will discover a hard truth. You are in opposition to God. Or better said, God is in opposition to you and the goals you have for your life. And out of love, out of great love for you, God will frustrate your plans in order to bring you to a place of humility. He loves you enough to not give you what you want. To bring you to the place where you're ready to respond to him. 
and seek his grace. In all these ways, people of God, we fall short. We stumble. We are we have a holy and good and righteous and almighty God. And we who are called by his name stumble along. In high school, I had a, a job as a caddy at a nice country club back in Ohio. And it was a good job. They, they, were, they were good to me. I worked there really both high school and when I was home from college. And, um, but there were some things. We knew there were boundaries. Right? We had our little clubhouse shack. Uh, it's where they parked the carts, and there's a bathroom there and a soda machine and all that. And we knew we weren't supposed to go into the main, in the, uh, the uh, PowerPoint I had, I had a great picture of it, you know, that would otherwise have been up on the screen. Uh, just blundering all kinds of things today. I'm, I'm, but, uh, but anyways, it, you know, we just kind of knew the boundaries, like, you, we, we knew we didn't belong, and you, you, they just kind of made that clear. It wasn't harsh. It was just reality, and I would have felt totally weird as this, you know, high school kid in a T-shirt, even walking into the clubhouse where everyone is dressed nice, and, you know, even when they golf, they wore weird clothes, but they were still dressed with collars and stuff like that, and, and, and but I remember one time, right, and, and that's the thing. Have you ever found out a place like you don't belong there? Um, I remember one time, one of the, the members said, well, it was a really hot day. He says, come, let's, go, let's get you something to drink. And you can come in and pick what you want. And so, like, I remember following him into the clubhouse. And I got a lemonade. They had the best lemonade ever. And, but I just remember feeling so out of place, so much like I didn't belong there. But the only way I was allowed to be in is I came in with him at his invitation. That's our situation. We do not belong in the presence of God. Like Isaiah, if we saw God, if we were in his presence, we'd know he is holy, holy, holy. Um, we are a people of unclean lips, and we, we, we live among a people of unclean lips. But the grace of Jesus Christ means this. is He says, come with me. You're in here based on my authority. My righteousness will cover both of us. That's how we, how God's salvation is work, works. And if we are, we're flawed images who've fallen short, but our God is slow to anger, abounding in love, and through Christ we enter his presence and are declared righteousness despite our brokenness and failures. Christ redeemed us. He's paid for our forgiveness and salvation. And, and if you're here this morning and maybe... You know, you come in and, some, and you don't know much about this odd stuff and church and God just brought you here and you're hearing a preacher talk about how sinful you are. The truth is, yes, we are sinful, but God's grace is greater than our sin. Notice how it says, and he gives, or but he gives more grace. After expounding on all the ways we've fallen short, he says, but he gives more grace. But who gets the grace? Not the proud, but the humble. Those who recognize, oh, my life does not measure up. But my God is good. My Savior is gracious to me. 
we swore allegiance to him. We declared Jesus as Lord. Do we want to take his grace for granted? Right? To say, well, he had grace on me. I guess I could do whatever I want. Have we forgotten how good God is and how holy and righteous and awesome? Do we still believe? I mean, we said yes to Jesus because we believed he is worthy. He's worthy of our obedience. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our service, of giving our time and energy to do the work of the kingdom. James gives a prescription. If you have the sense that you've been taking God's grace for granted, and you know, you realize, you've looked into the mirror, and you've realized in these ways I've fallen short, I'm not living up to the holiness, what does he say to do? Simple this, we are to humble ourselves and cast ourselves on the mercy of God. James says, get the passage, submit yourselves to him. Notice all the command verbs in verses 7 to 10. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil who wants us to, to, to live in these opposite ways. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. He says, draw near to God. God is not looking to keep any of us at a distance. In fact, he wants us to draw nearer. Draw near to him and he'll be right there, closer than a brother. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Right? This fits with what 1 John 1 says, where it says, if, if you pretend you don't have sin, you're, gonna, you're just fooling yourself. But if you recognize, I keep I keep screwing up, just like I've done in the sermon with forgetting all these things. I keep screwing up, but God, so you go, you're gracious to me. God is gracious to us. He will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteous. So, so we need to cleanse our, our hands by, by just acknowledging, by looking into the mirror and saying, yeah, I blew it again. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded, right? Quit trying to live ways. Quit to have the, the junk of this world and still follow Jesus. Make your call. Is Jesus worthy of my life or not? Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, mourn, and weep. Oh, I hate the fact that I keep doing these wrong things. Lord, I need your grace again. And ultimately, humble yourselves before God, before the Lord. Let him exalt you. We don't need to exalt ourselves. We don't need to prove how holy we are. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Those are all the command verbs that it gives as we, as, as at the end of this passage. We're going to give you a chance to do that. You've noticed we kind of are doing things a little different order this morning. We decided to leave the, the bulk of our our worship and singing time for the end of the service. Because we want to just have a time we can um, sing to God, come in, um, come before him in humbleness. If the Lord is speaking to your heart, we're going to open up the steps. And you are invited to, to come and kneel at the steps as, as an act of humility. Um, that's, that's completely optional. 
you are welcome to pray. You can sing along with the worship team as they, they lead us in this and stay in your pew. Um, take whatever position you need, but, but we all need to confess in, to God our sins and failures. We need to cast ourselves upon His mercy. We need to exalt Him as holy, holy, holy. We need to draw near to God knowing that He will draw near to us. If you want to come and, and have someone pray with you, sometimes that's needful. We're going to have at both corners, both left and right, people will be, but they're not going to seek you out. If you want to pray on your own at the altar steps, you could do that. But if, but if you want someone to pray with you, to, to, to do that, they'll be there, people at each corner. Um, and we're going to do this for the, the worship time. For a, for a time as long as, in a sense, God leads us. And then we'll go into um, a, a kind of a closing song with holy or uh, humble thyselves before God. So let me pray. And I invite you, let's humble ourselves before God this morning.